Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I know we talk all about like loving yourself on this podcast, but I am not loving um, my red eyes right now. So I'm going to put some concealer on this word. Good for you. Hi, welcome to Crush the Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. You guys are now a Believe family, aren't you? I know. My husband is about to launch. Actually, next week, he's launching a Believe podcast. And he also does a podcast for Honda. And he might be doing a podcast for another company that just reached out to him. Thank God, you guys just put a sound booth in. Uh, We're actually uh, really thinking about it in the, uh, what's it called? The closet. It's so fun. Yeah, I'm doing, by the way, I'm making a lot of sense right now. So I think this episode is going to go swimmingly. <laughs> I'm Kirsten Lyons and I'm joined by my cousin and co-host, Aaron Reader Store. Today's episode with Claire, it's so good, guys. It's, I mean, I think we all cried at one point or at least teared up. Like We did. She, she has a line towards the end that I, I don't want to, I don't want to give away like what her crushed moment is but I've actually not stopped thinking about it since we I know exactly what you're talking. It's almost like what you want to talk about. I kind of don't want to talk about it until next week. It'll give week. it away. So let's not, let's not, let's okay. wait till next week. Cause it's, it's just such a phenomenal episode. I feel like the past few weeks, every time we come to do these intros, I'm like, Ugh. like it yeah, just feels, breath. well, I don't even know if that was a deep breath. That sounded like a dinosaur in heat, but <laughs> I feel solely hit incompetent of like, leading this discussion. I should say it's a huge reason why we brought Dom on last week. Not only did was she the one that introduced me to this whole Rachel Hollis and privileged discussion and everything, but I really wanted to hear from her because both of us were white women. And um, I really, I want to open this space up for women that don't look like us, you know? Um, not that we're some huge space that has millions of yeah. listeners. Hello, Dak Shepard and Brene Brown. But it's, uh, I just, I really, really want to be able to do this, these topics justice and come from a humble standpoint. Something that was really important to me this week is that um, it's not just our voice talking about this, but I also didn't want to ask somebody be like, hey, I know it's a really hard week. Please come on our show and talk about this and, and expect, I don't know, like- Yeah, open emotion, your wounds. Open your audience. wounds and emotional labor. And, and I was trying to think about how to do this. And I know, you know, we talked about it. And actually we were supposed to record with um, a very good friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, an old friend of mine from Los Angeles. She's a black woman. And I texted her, we're supposed to record her for, for next week's episode. And I texted her and I said, hey, do you just want to reschedule? Like there's so much happening and it's just so heartbreaking and exhausting. And she was like, yes, please. I'm The reason I even had the presence of mine is because other people have said, like, check in on your friends. Like, I'm grateful that people have shared that. And I'm grateful that Aaron and I can have these conversations. And we, we go on and on about how we want this to kind of be a space for people to share in their grief and their crushed moments with us, no matter like how small or big they are. Mm. And it would be incredibly hypocritical of us to, to not be a, a safe place and have an open door for, you know, racial issues. Yesterday, Marcia, who um, you, you guys all know and love, um, Marcia had posted something and it's a quote, I think it's a tweet from someone else. And um, obviously, you know, I, we glean a lot of wisdom from Marcia. We have shared other tweets that she has shared. And obviously we've shared her direct wisdom and just, she's, she's a great so, person to follow. She really is. If you're not already <laughs> Marcia Lane McGee, you just gotta. Um, 
All right. So Dara Beeves shared this. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Dara Beeves. And it's at Dara Irene um, on Twitter. And we actually shared this in stories a couple of days ago by the time this podcast airs. But she wrote, Dante Wright called his mom. George Floyd cried out for his. The helplessness of being a mother to a Black son who you can't protect in this country is maddening. And I read that and I cried because I'm a mom of a Black son. And I just wrote, we are mourning deeply this week. Many of our guests are mothers to Black sons. This hits so deeply for me and we want to hold space for those who are grieving. Marcia, thank you for sharing this and thank you for being you. Mamas, we see you and we love you. We want to walk with you. Hmm. So much of like, we want to walk with you. We want Mm. you to feel like there's people next to you in those moments. Mm. Yeah. Or a lot of times in these, in these moments, when you're, when you're not the person whose community is going through this, sometimes you can feel like I shouldn't say anything. It's not my place. And from everything I've learned from my friends, please stand with us. No, speak up. Like, please, we, we need to know that. And ultimately, like, it's our work, guys. We're the ones that did this and we're the ones that are benefiting from it. Like, yeah. And it, and it is, I guess, kind of going back to the privilege discussion. Like, it is a, a privilege for me to sit back and say, like, mm. I think I'd rather, I, I don't feel that way anymore, but that's absolutely, I mean, I, I have that twinge of anxiety of like, oh my gosh, am I going to say the wrong thing? But I don't, I don't really anymore feel the, I should just say, stay silent feeling anymore. It's more just, I really want to be careful about whose voices I do amplify in these moments. Mm, I like that. And speaking of Claire. In the episode, she kind of goes into her her past views and they have significantly changed in, I would say, the past five-ish years. Is that right? Yeah. So I just want to read some of her story because I think it's really good. And I think- I'm just excited for you to meet her. She's like adorable and bubbly and fun and hilarious and smart and compassionate and empathetic and like humble. Like I literally feel like she, I could just like, I don't know. I could list so many things. She's just delightful. She's like a care care bear. Just all of the the good values. She's just all the good ones. Um, All right. So this is from Claire. In expressing my disappointment at the lack of compassion after yet another black man is killed, I'd like to point the finger at the one person whose words and actions I am always responsible for dissecting and challenging, myself. Not very long ago, I had the sort of political ambitions that often result in a lot of nasty verbiage and a crazed look and at least one eye. I think that the key word there is ambitions. I looked at American politics and wondered what they could do for me. A sense of importance, power, and being smarter than the average bird fueled and incentivized me. And today, as I doom scroll through some pretty nasty rhetoric, the type of stuff you'd think is incongruent with a church that literally just finished mourning their savior, I can't help but think of the one of the nastiest things I ever did on social media. Now we're talking like five or six years ago, so please bear with my fuzziest memories but I believe it has something to do with gun control. I don't remember exactly, but my guess was that there had been some sort of shooting as there is so often, and the progressives were calling for gun control. While I came up with my cleverest little clapback, I wrote liberal tears on my cardboard coffee cup. I took a picture of myself drinking out of it with a smirk. I'm almost positive it was my Facebook profile picture. For the sake of humility, I would share this picture with you now, but I deleted it a few years ago. I deleted it sometime in the year after posting it because something happened that taught me a lesson in empathy. I experienced senseless, needless loss. 
And suddenly everything shifted and things became less about what I can get out of the system and more about how the system has failed my loved ones. What healed me and healed the people I care most about was true empathy, compassion without caveat. That said, we encountered a couple hardened souls, burdened by their own crosses, I'm sure, who planted thorns of judgment and snark that will never be fully removed from the heart of my family. In no way will I ever be able to understand the cross of black and brown people in this country, but shamefully, I, I do understand what it feels like to be the one who mocks and disdains at others' pain. I mean this with no malice at all. I wish everyone who is unbothered by the repeated killing of black and brown men and women, the opportunity to experience unfathomable loss. In this, there's the ultimate opportunity to unite with Christ's mother, to walk in the footsteps of his friends and to grow in the compassion he has asked of us. Right now, I just wanna share some voices that have been instrumental in my um, humility and my education and um, us growing as a family. Um, the main one is our daughter, Ashley. She's incredible. Um, she's wonderful. She's a human being and she has taught us invaluable lessons by just her being her. I wish I could say that I had not made horrible mistakes with her, but we did. And, um, I wish I could say that I haven't said things that were wrong, but I did. And I'm humbled and grateful for her forgiveness and for her, um, compassion with me. Um, somebody else at Chanel K. Um, I'm going to share, we'll share all these people and stories. Another one is Marcia, of course. Erin, how do you pronounce Aaron, Marcia's name? Eilishly Sia on there it Instagram. Is. There it is. Large debate about this, but I was right. Gloria Purvis at I am Gloria Purvis. Ike Andola, who's a, um, a musician at Los Wick, Carlos Whitaker. Oh, and Patricia Taylor, Patricia A. Taylor. We'll share all of these. Uh, get ready for Claire. Here we go. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm probably really close to the mic. And that was that. loud. Yeah, I'm sorry. Hold on. Sorry. I get really excited. I get really loud. That was very like sorority <laughs> rush announcement. Bidet, Here everybody. we go. I was in a sorority. I was. I was a DZ. I'm sorry. Okay. Today we have on the show Claire. Hi, Claire. Hi. Hi. Let me introduce you to Claire. Claire McCallan is a spoken word artist and author whose work focuses on the intersection of virtue and adventure. After two North American poetry tours, a film about her work and journey, Claire McCallan, Little Victories, was released in 2020, followed by the release of her first book entitled Stations. This summer, Claire will begin serving as creative director of the St. Joseph's Home for Artisans in Boston. You can listen to Miss McCallan's debut spoken word album, Lice and Grays, on all streaming platforms. Welcome, Claire. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on here. So, so excited to have you here. I'm so excited. Um, Claire, I have a really important question to ask you. Is it in sync or backstreet? Wait, Claire, how old are you? I feel like you're much younger than me. No, I'm 26. Oh, you and Aaron? So. <laughs> Wait, so do you have a write-in between in sync and backstreet boys? So I do. I was thinking about this. I had so much time to think today on the train and um when I was a kid, I was into, this is really niche. So like, you don't have to pretend like you've heard of it. Do you know what Celtic thunder is? They're like this 
Irish group of men. They're not, it's not a boy band. A lot of them are like middle-aged men. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could see Erin's Erin is so excited because you said this is niche. So she's thinking it's like a boy band with like one song. She's so excited. And then I would have known if that was the no, case. No, it's it's like it's like river dance, but it's singing and they really pander to the Irish American audience and they well, travel Celtic around. Woman was yes, the exactly woman. like that. Yes, it's okay. a boy version. I knew her. So Celtic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. men? Celtic Thunder. Oh, Celtic Thunder. Oh. I'm going to be honest. They sound like they definitely take their clothes off at bachelorette parties. (laughs) That would be amazing. I hope so. (laughs) Stop it. Okay, well, here they're in kilts. Yeah. Oh, that's what they do for like the final number. It's a whole thing. They sing Ireland's Call. They go all out. Um, I just want to say that that, I don't know, I'm more excited now to talk to you. <laughs> I, we will share this in stories, but I, I feel like this is going to be so different than any other interview. The fact that Celtic Thunder is your write-in. Okay. So MASH, when you were 12 years old, who were you going to marry the, all the Celtic Thunder boys? Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I was open to just about anyone. I was like, Lord, whichever one you want to give me, whether it's an old one, a young one, a bald one, a hairy one, I don't care. I loved them. I had it all planned out. I was going to tour with them. I was going to travel with them. Uh, my mom had a crush on one, too. It was like a family thing. <laughs> so probably Damien McGinty would have been my top pick, though. He was the age-appropriate one. Damien McGinty, if you're listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Claire is here and she's ready. She's ready to talk to you now. Um, That's a good accent. So I went to Ireland when I was pregnant with Ellis. And by the end, I was like, I have a solid Irish accent. And then That's it kind of, it, it, it wanes a little bit. It, it, I feel like the R's are where you really get it. Um, okay, wait, mansion apartment. I forgot to ask that. Mansion apartment house. I had this very specific vision for my life of me, like kind of like a shack actually. And because I heard you guys in one of the previous episodes, you were like, oh, who would choose Shaq? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, now like, I'll choose any of them. But, but hear it out. OK, so it's like it's like a like a one like a like a one room shack, like a big shack. But it's on stilts at the beach. Like it's really it's really high up. I remember drawing this over and over in my notebook being like, yes, this is it. It's like so funny a, a hut or like a bungalow, like the ones. Yes, yes, yes. But just like stupid high, just like up in the air. Like they would never survive the wind. And over but the this Atlantic. This is my plan. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> when you said one room, I thought you were going to go like Laura Ingalls Wilder. I, I still to this day am very confused how babies were made. When It's crazy. Yeah. I'm like, I don't understand if they're all like in one bed or then they. That's there was why the kids went to school. Oh, <laughs> that's a good point. They did go to a one room schoolhouse. Aaron, there you go. Um, all right. I thought where- about it too. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, and where did you want to live? Um, Washington, D.C. Because I wanted to be a politician. So I see where that didn't work with the shack. and the- <laughs> <laughs> over, the, over the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah. I wanted to be like a far right wing politician. <laughs> and now what I do. Was- it's even funnier. What was that, that inspired by? To the were you in Rush Limbaugh? Were okay. You- <laughs> oh my gosh. I grew up on Rush Limbaugh and I was so, okay. So did you know, and I'm not saying this as anything against the right, because I know that the left has them too. I just didn't experience them, 
But there are all these programs that pick out like promising young, like 15 year olds, and they fly you all over the country and they put you up in these incredible hotels and they feed you these incredible gourmet meals. And they have these speakers come in. They were flying us out to the Reagan Ranch in Santa Barbara and they were having John Boyd come in and speak to us and giving us these private tours and just like all over the country. (laughs) Oh yeah, (laughs) John Boyd is like so in the movement. And they were just like really... Just like, I will say probably like indoctrinating and like maybe like a little bit of bribery. Like they really, and it just makes you feel so important and you're 15. I loved it and I was so into it and it was a way for me to channel my intensity. Which one did you do? Uh, Young Americans for Freedom and Leadership Institute and the Koch brothers. (laughs) Oh, you just (laughs) checked them all off. So I, I did, did it for like six years. I did NYLC, which was okay. National Young Leaders. Looking back on it now, I think it was more left-leaning, but it really felt pretty middle road. It was more history-based. It was more history mm-hmm. and debate. That sounds like what Emily and Richard Gilmore hoped that uh, Lor- Lori. Uh, Lori would Lorelai. Yeah. yeah. Lorelai, really, yeah. That's fascinating. Okay, so <laughs> are you living on a house on stilts? Um, in in DC or in real life? In real life, are you currently <laughs> living on Alpha? No, I am currently. I am um in Cambridge, in Porter Square, in Cambridge, so like a mile away from the Harvard campus. Okay, and we move into what is currently. It looks like the beginning of one of those flip that house TV shows. We have yes. a building in the North End that we're we're flipping, um, if you will. And right now, you know, there's like a hole in the ceiling and like mold but it's all getting worked out we're gonna be able to move in in no time and it's gonna be awesome we've decided we made an executive decision yesterday that we're gonna throw out all the mattresses that are in there because we just don't know that's a really good executive now how many tell us just give us a little blurb and about Mm -hmm. what this is so we're starting an artist residency at the St. Joseph's Home for Artisans um, okay. in the North End, which is like the old Italian section of Boston. Okay. And we're going to do offer three residencies each three months each um, for six artists uh, at a time and just an opportunity to cultivate art that promotes the true good and beautiful uh, while giving young artists the time and focused space they need to create new projects and kind of invest back in the artists because I think we've really moved away from that um so yeah that starts up uh June 1st as long as the mold gives way (laughs) it's my hand my life is like in the hands of just like a bunch of mold (laughs) good for you that you're getting rid of it but yeah we'll we'll handle all that and then we'll move in that's exciting. And do you guys already yeah. have the artists? Are you ready? Like, just, have you chosen? We, we have our pilot cohort for the summer. Okay. So it's all my artist friends. It's awesome. It's getting to make cool shit with your friends. Like, it's awesome. You know, we're bringing them all in and we've got a professional Irish dancer. We have a rapper. We have a videographer, a couple musicians. It's going to be really fun. That is super cool. How fun yeah. is that? Are yeah. you guys going to make a reality show and put it up? I hope. We have been documenting the whole thing. Yeah. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think it'll be a lot of, lot of fun. The whole that's, thing. I'm that's interested awesome. to see what challenges lay ahead. I'm sure it'll be, there's going to be something animal related. It'll be a roach <laughs> or a rat or a raccoon, but it'll happen. And I know that I'm okay with it. Um, I hope for your sake, it's just a lovely squirrel that eats Snickers <laughs> <Thank you>. bars. <laughs> Thank you. 
a cartoon squirrel. Um, okay. So set the stage. You're at, this is kind of what your next chapter is, but kind of mm-hmm. how did you get into poetry? I mean, or mm-hmm. actually, would you call spoken word poetry both interchangeable? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Totally. Totally. Um, I, so I graduated from Franciscan business degree, didn't write, didn't take any writing classes. Um, and after graduation, I was super lost. I was coming back from, uh, just like the healing process of losing a family member. Mm. Um, and so a friend of mine called me up and he was like, Hey, do you want to go to Calcutta, serve with the missionaries of charity for a little while? I just said, yeah, we grabbed quickly, a quickly. flight. Can you say, can you say what the missionaries of charity are really quick? Totally. So they are a religious order of sisters founded by mother Teresa in Calcutta, India. And so just a, just a small, <laughs> just a small thing. <laughs> they have seven homes in Calcutta that range from a, home for the sick and dying to orphanages to homes for severely disabled young women and men. And so I worked in a home for severely disabled teenage women. Um, and it was a fantastic experience. It was the happiest I've ever been in my life. Um, it was such a healing experience. I think I'm a much more compassionate person for it. I think it changed me fundamentally and I hope that I did some good while I was there. You know, the mission, uh topic is a tricky one and it's really you know the conversation around it's been developing over the last couple of years but I know that it I'm is. better for having gone yeah. yeah yeah it is it's it's such a I I yes like mm-hmm. I just feel like I have been unlearning so much stuff in the last 10 to 15 years it is such a rich topic but um, yeah yeah and the sisters I will say I always tell everyone the missionaries of charity they have it down perfectly they don't allow you to take pictures of the people that you're serving um if you're there for less than like two months all you do is laundry you don't do any relational ministry because you don't want to be creating just kind of a revolving door of people coming in and out of the children's lives uh so they they really they are very protective of their people and it's beautiful that's really beautiful Um, yeah but but this has to do with poetry because uh we went out and we celebrated with some locals on new year's eve I get back at like 2 a.m. I'm so hungry. And so we just like, we eat some some chocolate cake right before bed, right? But what do you need after you eat chocolate cake? You need water. <laughs> and this little nun appears. And I always tell people it's like that scene from uh, Snow White, you know, where she's like, apple, you know, <laughs> which is probably not okay to say about a nun, but she's like, water. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I know I'm not allowed to have unsealed water bottles. I know that mm. the American stomach cannot handle it. And she's like, no, no, like clean water. Like it's good water. Like, come on, come on. And now I'm being peer pressured by this nun. And she's looking at me like, what, don't you trust me? And so I'm like, oh, like one sip can't hurt. And like, obviously one sip can hurt. I take like one or two sips, go to bed, wake up two hours later, sickest I've ever been in my life. I was bedridden on and off for the next like three weeks. Oh my um, gosh. Because it was typhoid. <laughs> Oh my God. Guys, I, 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 am sure everyone listening was also like, but Aaron and I just both were like, what? Like, (laughs) um, I don't know. And I'm always wondering if it like disqualifies me for things. Like I signed up for that be a match thing the other day. And I was like, and note. Um, oh gosh, my gosh. Like, this is like I'm playing the Oregon Trail right now. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so I'm oh. bedridden. They were really sweet and they put me in like 
the the one room with wi-fi at the hostel and my friend let me borrow his ipad to entertain me during days and so i'm just like in a youtube hole feeling sorry for myself being like this is it this is how i always am i was like this is it this is how you become a martyr like god takes the great ones young you know and i was (laughs) watching these videos and um i stumble across spoken word poetry specifically deaf poetry jam um so it's really cool because back when they had this really 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 early career alicia keys kanye west and just all of these other poets that maybe didn't go on to do musical careers so it's it's again kind of niche but um really awesome stuff and i was watching these people perform their poems and it's just so cool but i just had you know that little inkling inside you where you're like wait a second like I think I could do this with like no, no real basis for that feeling. There had been no, <laughs> no proof that this was anything I could do. I mean, I'm so dramatic and I'm laying in bed and I'm like, Lord, if you let me live through this, which like, there was no question. Like I was always going to live. No one was ever going <laughs> to die here. And I'm Lord, like, if you let me see another day, I'm going to move to New York city and I'm going to try this. And obviously I got better. Like I was always going to get better. I got better <laughs> and I fly home, check in with my family and then move in with my childhood best friend in Brooklyn. And I lived there for two years before the pandemic hit. So wait, it's actually all pretty recent. Oh my huh? gosh. Yeah. Very. Wait, yeah. where in Brooklyn did you live? Oh, Williamsburg. <laughs> what? We were in Cobble Hill. Were you really? Yeah. <laughs> I babysat there. I babysat everywhere. Um, I want to find out who you babysat in Cobble Hill now because I know all the family. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Uh, So, and the best part is, guys, this is not her crush story. This is not. (laughs) This is just a little intro. (laughs) We're going to get so much more personal for the crush story. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, I, okay. So, what would you like to tell us? (laughs) I don't know. That that was like five actions. (laughs) started midwest and then it was like russian i don't know um okay so your your crush story my crush story i'm so glad because you sent me a little form and you're like tell us about your crush story and i'm writing it down and i wrote something really just like very basic and very like okay first of all that okay first of all that wasn't basic but second of all i had it open because i saw that you had emailed i was like oh i want to look at this (laughs) as i'm facetiming with my sister and we're having a pretty intense discussion like a serious discussion right I look over and it starts to disappear. And I forgot it was a Google doc. And I literally was like, what the living, what ghost is going on? I was so scared. Cause it was like Claire. And then it just started deleting and putting other things. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, Oh, and then I was like, Oh yeah, it's a Google. Okay. Kirsten, it's okay. It's a Google doc. <laughs> so I originally just wanted to talk about my many rejection letters that I receive as a writer like yeah blah 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 like I could wallpaper my room with them it's not a big deal you know that's not where like the source wait, wait, of the pain is yes but it is a big deal yes rejection is a big deal and I think all three of us could that's a great visual yes uh, one day yes. I really should read that rejection letter I got from <gasps> an agent yes it is a good letter give a brief preview I auditioned for this agency they came to my showcase they said they were interested in me I auditioned I thought I did a really good job but then I told them like oh by the way I'm gonna be out of the out of town for five months and I just think they weren't interested but the email they sent me started with acting is a sickness and not all of us have the cure or something to that effect and I was like what and this whole email goes on with all these metaphors about how we're so lucky to be sick with the acting bug, but it's just not for everyone. It's like, 
What? It wasn't typhoid. You were sick with the acting bug. <laughs> I had That's the bug. I had the creativity <laughs> bug. But I did have one of the largest, we'll say, organizations respond to me personally, their leader, when I asked if I could present at their showcase. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're at our showcase. It's a very big deal. We have people from all over coming to our showcase. And we want to show them people who they want to see. And no one wants to see you. <laughs> And then, and then just a year, just a year later, guess who asked me to headline their show? (laughs) Did you send them the email back? Um, no, because your girl needs, you wanted it. work. work. (laughs) Okay. But I just want to say, first of all, that is like a dream. And I know on my episode, I said like, you know, you're healed when you don't care, but Mm -hmm. I'm just like, Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. (laughs) That's a once in a lifetime opportunity, right? That's amazing. So I was a, I was a hostess at a really nice restaurant in Westwood LA for years. And they, I kept asking them to make me a server and they were like, um, yeah, yeah, no, no, but you're just a really good hostess. And I would do private events when they would do like post premiere parties and stuff. But I'm like, no guys, I really need to be making more money. Can you please make me a server? And they just wouldn't. And they wouldn't. So I finally left and I went and served some, I was a server at, um, at not great restaurant. It was a great restaurant, but it wasn't this restaurant. It was PF Chang's and then <laughs> crispy green beans. <laughs> you're welcome. Chang's spicy, uh, chicken. Uh, but I said shrimp and then add some snap peas. There's a little Ooh. help for you. That's our oldest, Ashley. We always get that together. Anyway, but, uh, okay. So then I booked a job on the starter wife and guess where we shot uh. my restaurant. And I booked a job as a server. And I was like, yeah, what now? And then it was awesome. And then the starter wife edited me out. And I never no. was, hey guys, I'll be on the starter wife. Put it on Facebook and everything. And then my mom was like, hey, I rewinded it like 15 times. Your name's in the credit. Cause they legally, or not legally, contractually have to put your name. And she was like, but I didn't see you. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then I watched it and I was like, cause they edited me out. <laughs> All right, so. Let's talk about your crush moment. I like that you were right. like, yeah, this is like, but really what is the, what is the, the root of the pain? Which mm-hmm, I think is mm-hmm. just so important. So the OG crushed moment. So, okay, this starts, it starts young. This starts around five years old. There's a boy in my kindergarten class. It always does, people. You know? It always <laughs> does. There's a boy and I, at like five or six years old, I'm like, man, I am one of the lucky ones. Just to put this all in context, I'm 26 just couldn't be more single don't have a dog so this did not this did not work out the way I thought it was I remember being like five or six years old and being like I am one of the lucky ones who meets their soulmate at the beginning smooth ride there will only ever be one man whose lips I touch like this is perfect I was, I was a pretentious kid I'm an only child um and I was also the oldest in my class so like very pretentious and precocious etc um but I met Teddy great name right and think about it, yeah. Claire, Bear, Teddy, Bear. Bear. It was perfect. Oh. I had I had it planned, okay? I had already planned all of the gifts you could give me. So yeah. uh- <laughs> you, had monogrammed, you had monogrammed your backpack. It was great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we were inseparable, okay? The first like act of affection I ever received from a boy was I was seven years old. Teddy and I were at some after school activity and he comes over and he's like, go look in your backpack. And I'm like, my backpack? So I take my mom with me to the bathroom. I'm like, Teddy said there's something in my backpack. And so we go and we look at my backpack and he had made all of these 
pipe cleaner hearts and twisted them up and put them in my backpack for Valentine's Day. We're like seven years old. So sweet. And that's how I knew that I was one of the lucky ones. You know, like I knew it. And I was just, just, I mean, what a blessing to be one of the lucky ones. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That is like all I wanted. Yeah. It was perfect. It was perfect until it wasn't because then (laughs) guess what's happened? Guess what happens in fifth grade? What? Teddy's family moves. (gasps) To, oh my gosh, and I've never psychoanalyzed it this way, but to Washington, D.C. Oh my gosh. No. Guys, are we having a breakthrough, a therapy breakthrough right now? We are this not a therapy. This is where it came from. Please, please go find a therapist, listeners. We are not, um, we cannot help you, but I think Claire is having a breakthrough right now. We stay in, you know, contact, obviously, on AIM, AIM, if you will, whatever well, you like to call it. What was, no, your, what was your screen name? Peace to the number peace to peeps yeah you gotta so you really, gotta you gotta bring the peace to people to i will all obviously the they need it the world needs it can i ask so, you a question did you want peace to the people or peace to the marshmallow uh candy peep just the people don't okay. like the marshmallow okay. <laughs> so we stay in contact i'm like i'm playing the long game i'm like i'm not stressed like when you meet your soulmate at a young age you meet your soulmate <laughs> at a young age and like nothing can happen you know like it's good it's Claire so, topanga Thank you. Right. So I'm not stressed. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to like see him again. It's going to happen. And we're going to have little blonde babies. Like, could I give away more of his identity? Little teddy bears. It's going to be perfect. Oh. So we stay in contact. But while I'm being a sweet little sweetheart up in the Northeast, he's having a different formation down in DC, you know, mm. which, you know, it can be like a lot of, lot of money, a lot of freedom at a young age, different formation. But we stay in contact. I have, you, what you have to remember is that like I was 15. So that really in context makes this really bizarre is that I had a conference to go to down in DC. Was it one because of your young Republican conferences? It was, it was, it was. And like, <sighs> that's always been me. Like if there's a boy somewhere that I want to go see him, like I will find a reason that I have to be there. I'm like, oh, you're but, just like my grandma. <laughs> anyway, so I'm like, hey, like I have this like, you know, piece to peeps. I log on and I'm like, hey, like I have this conference and you're down like, can I come stay with you guys? And he's like, yeah, that would be awesome. Like my homecoming dance is actually that weekend. Like, do you want to go? And I am like, yeah, of course I want to go. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, yeah, like it's happening. Like no sweat. Like I knew it was happening. Like this was always what was destined to be no sweat. And now here's the really tricky part. His homecoming dance was, we'll say it was on like October 30th. Okay. Okay. On October 15th, I got my braces on. It was a big hit to the confidence, you know, like yeah. I'm, I'm going to go see my beloved, right? Yeah. And the object of my affections, but I have these fresh, this fresh set on and I'm still getting used to it. Definitely still a little blood. You know, I just, I just, I don't know that I have the mouth structure for it. It was a hard time. Um, I had bands, you know? Yeah. And oh. were they so- black, were they black and orange for Halloween? <laughs> you know what? I did one of those things where you get it. So it's like clear so that it's supposed to be like hard yellow yes it just looks so much worse you know you just look like you like just it's just it's worse anyway I get down there I'm having the time of my life like in love like happy as a clam right it's homecoming night I'll send you guys a picture of me in the dress I have my little dress on I'm feeling like hot stuff and looking back like kind of was you know I'm smiling with my mouth closed and everything wish I had just like committed and opened my mouth but like whatever having a great time Right. And I'm like, this is it. It's happening. It's me and Teddy. Um, I've never get... been more into a story ever. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm like on the edge of my seat. <laughs> I'm so scared. I'm so All right. Scared. Well, it's about to get weird. 
um, so we get to the dance. I, it's a public school dance. I'm a Catholic school girl, you know, as, as it goes. And so there's just like hundreds of kids. I can't even believe it. Everybody is grinding. So I'm like, whoa. <laughs> it's a lot. Your first dance it's where there's lot. grinding is so overwhelming. It's, it's a butt to crotch, crotch to crotch situation. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, whoa. So Teddy's like, I'm, I'm there. He introduces me to his friends. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And he's like, I'll be right back. And I'm like, okay, okay. And then, you know, like five minutes goes by, 10 minutes goes by. And I'm like, like, where's Teddy, right? (laughs) Like the entire night goes by. (gasps) No. So he, he ditched me. He ditched (gasps) me real bad at a dance where I didn't know anyone (gasps) in another state. (laughs) What? No, no, no. No, don't get too upset because I was like adopted by this group of, I, I know this is too weird to be true, but it was like all these German foreign exchange students, <laughs> <laughs> like let me dance with them. And they, they talked to me and they were really cool. And when I was preparing for this, I was like looking and I was like, okay, do any of these people still follow me on Instagram? Are they going to find out that I talked about this? And I am still followed by all of the Germans. So like, if they see this, like, thank you guys. <laughs> thank you, Angela Merkel. Thank you. <laughs> They were so sweet. So then the night ends and the lights come up and I'm like, where's Teddy? And Teddy like, comes. <laughs> I don't think I've ever told this story before. Teddy comes back into the gym looking, you know, a little worse for the wear, a little flustered, a little red in the face, a little <gasps> shorts untucked, you know, and I can't stress <gasps> enough. We're like, we're like 15. Okay. So he's like, oh, like, sorry. Like I got caught up, like blah, blah, blah just through I think through my network of German spies I find out that (laughs) (laughs) that he had been in the parking lot all night um doing what kids do at school dances in the parking parking lot yes um with his ex-girlfriend who had been in our group the whole night and but I'm oblivious like again you can't fathom the amount of confidence I had going into this and because I'd never been hurt before like remember who you were before you had ever been rejected or hurt you know it's like so much confidence going into this and so I find out that him and this girl had been having relations in the parking lot while I was dancing with my new friends and she drove us home that night he's like oh actually she's gonna she's gonna give us a ride home and I'm like oh like okay oh my gosh (laughs) so she drives us home it's like dead silent in the car we get to his house and it's a minivan it was her parents minivan so she just like presses the button and the door is like you know it's opening really slow and then they like look at me and they're like actually Claire like we're gonna drop you off like you can go back to Teddy's house oh my god so I had to go back into his house and his mom's waiting up and she's like how was the dance and then she's like where where's Teddy and I'm like, oh, like, I think he's going to stay out a little bit longer. Like, I'm, I'm, I, you know, of course, I'm like, probably like, I, I can't, I can't. Yes. Oh. I'm tired. Like, I'm going to go to bed anyway. And, and that was that. No, that was not that. How did the rest <laughs> of the weekend go? You had to see him the next day. I did, but I, I played it cool. I mean, I think I continued to hold a flame for him for like some time after that. Have you ever I asked him about him. this moment? I had liked him for like eight years. Did he? Ha- yeah. Have you guys ever talked about this? No. I mean, I haven't talked to him in like 10 years. I think that the reason that today when I was choosing a story that that one stood out is I think I've had that has been, you know, we find ourselves in these un- in for- unfortunate patterns in our lives. Mm. And I feel like I've had so many left at the dance moments, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. 
Um, it's just something that keeps happening. When I look back, like I would, I've had to ask myself so many times, like, am I crazy? Cause mm. I've had so many situations where I'm like, but he said he liked me or like, but he invited me to the dance or he asked me on the date or like, am, am I crazy? All of mm. these moments where things go so far askew. Um, but that was the first time it happened. You just sparked something when you said like, I've had so many moments, like he did this, he did this. Am I crazy? And I remember my, so my husband was in therapy for three years before we started dating, which mm-hmm. by the way, biggest gift he could have given me. I remember him talking about in therapy, he would like these girls and he would like kind of pour into these girls, like whether it was a relationship or like he surprised a girl one time, I think he sent her ice cream because like she was the high school crush. So like they were now talking, it was such a big deal. And then she was like, I, I, I don't, I think you got the wrong impression. He's like, wait, what? Like we were just talking nonstop for months. How would I get mm-hmm, the wrong impression mm-hmm. kind of a thing? Mm-hmm. Anyway, all that to say, I remember his therapist kind of them talking through it and Bradley realizing he was like, I'm liking all these girls that don't know who they are, you know? And he, that, that was a big thing in his past with, he would like them and they'd be like, I don't know. Do I do, do I not, you know? And he would hang on for so long. Maybe they'll get, maybe they'll realize it now. Maybe they'll realize it now. Right. And it wasn't until me that he had had therapy and all this stuff. And I said to him, listen, it's just like, you say you're going to call and you do, you say you're going to text and you do. I just don't know if I'm into that. Like, I don't know if I'm into (laughs) you. You're just so nice. Like, and he, you know, he took a beat and he was like, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep being me treating you the way that you deserve to be treated. And if you can't handle that, that's fine. And I was like, I think I was like, okay, well, that's the sexiest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) But anyway, all that to say that- I'm just sorry. Yeah. That just effing sucks. When was the moment that it kind of hit you that like you had almost built this thing up to, to not what it was. Do you know what I mean? Even the person that his choices, it's not even about how he looks. Like it's about like what became of like the person, you know, like what he invested in himself Mm -hmm. and what he didn't. And like who he's become is not attractive to me at all anymore. Right. I think it's like rejection is God's protection, right? Yes, like, exactly. That was basically the theme of Crushed, my one woman mm-hmm. show, was mm-hmm. like, you know, this boy that I loved in first grade, Michael was <laughs> the love of my life. I remember years, years ago, he put something on Facebook about Taylor Swift. And by the way, he's a father of a little girl at this point. If Taylor would stop being such a like tease and just start sleeping with this guy, these guys, she wouldn't, they wouldn't dump her all the time. And I remember being like, uh... Thank God that didn't work out, you know? Thank God when we have those moments where we do grow and we do bloom and we can look back on this and be like, okay, I'm really glad that rejection happened. It hurt. It's informing a lot of things. I need to heal from those things. But thank God that that happened. Did you ever catch yourself acting in certain ways to avoid not being left at the dance? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm really, because then I had a adult version of the Teddy situation happened uh, like a year and a half ago, which Kirsten, you read about the story about the boy in Ireland, which Mm -hmm. was very much very similar. And I pretty much shut down my romantic life after that. Like I am still like, I'm over it at this point, but like, I'm the idea of jumping back in and like the possibility of something like that happening again, is just like, which like the moral of my story is don't travel for boys. If it's DC, if it's Ireland, like don't travel for boys, you know? Um, Love, you do this thing on your Instagram. You're like, hey, what's your romantic stories? Like you ask your followers. And then every couple of weeks. 
And I love your responses. They're hilarious and so sweet. They're so supportive, but honest. <laughs> so I would love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. So every couple of weeks, I just ask them what their love life is like. It's just like, it can be like over a hundred girls just like saying like nothing's going on or like, I have a big crush or I got dumped or like, I'm getting engaged. We have married mm-hmm. women responding and just being like, my husband's the best or like, I'm mad at him right now. And it's just fun to check in. And especially during the pandemic, where like, we're kind of lacking that girl time. It gives a slumber party vibe. I think it's such a fun way to like be supportive and silly and also really honest, you know, like the reason that made me think of it is you were like, don't travel for boys. And I, I really like it. Oof, that last one hurt so bad. Yeah. And the thing that like shook me in my core about that one is like, like, I like myself a lot. I think I'm super smart and super street smart, especially. And like, I pride myself on like always being able to like figure out the vibe and like see what's going on and being able to read situations like my emotional intelligence like I can't do basic math but my emotional intelligence <laughs> through the roof you yeah. know like cannot don't bring your long division to me but like and the fact that I misread this situation in Ireland so badly and it wasn't misread like I was lied to but usually right. I really really like I'm really like no BS on these things I don't leave a lot of room for that so the fact that I was so blindsided just really shook me to my core and made me doubt my own intuition. And that's, that was the, that was the really bad part of it. It wasn't like, Oh no, I lost Stuart. I mean, what am I making these guys names up? Like what is going on? Like Teddy and Stuart, Um, (laughs) like not Stuart. I'm just excited. They both belong to the same tennis club, Teddy and Stuart. Stuart. Um, Yeah. I, I feel like, gosh, I feel, I feel that not only with boys, but just in my career, like, you know, like I've had these long meetings and I walk out and I'm so good about being like, no, like don't even get, and there's times I'm like, it's happening. It's all happening. It's going to happen. And how do we hope for things without like getting hurt? I don't know. You said something so beautiful and interesting when you were telling your story, you said, remember who you were before the first time you were hurt. Hmm. And it just like blew my mind to, Cause you know, I think there are moments when you feel like that person again. And that's, I think when you let your guard down and then it's almost like you get hurt again, you put that wall straight back mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. What are the gen, what are we on Gen Z? What is, what is this generation right now that doesn't like the way I part my hair? What are they? Gen, Z. That's gen, gen Z. Z. <laughs> they, they, I feel like the new thing is like, that's so pure, right? That's so pure. Everything's pure. I don't know. I hear it, see it on when people share TikToks. I don't know guys, I'm 40, but anyway, I, I think that I love that you said that, Aaron, because I agree. When you said that, I was like, oh, that 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 kind of stabbed me in the heart a little bit in like the best possible way. Yeah. So real real quickly, mm-hmm. um, Claire, I, I, I didn't know you. And <laughs> you had shared something, I think, about our podcast. I don't, I don't really remember the timeline, maybe you do, but then you you put this poem up and I, I, I literally didn't know what was about to happen. And I, the last couple of words, I started bawling and I immediately sent it to like multiple people and shared it. And I just, this is what I put on our stories. This was a couple of weeks ago. Um, I said, also, can someone please read the stunning poem by Claire McCallan? Because um, Salutations Little Sis needs someone to talk about this. I'm ha- I said, she's having so many feelings, but it's me. I was having so many feelings and I've never felt more seen by a poem ever. <laughs> so um, yeah, if you could just- Yeah, uh, absolutely. Let's do it. Share it with our listeners because it's so mm. beautiful. You can look at the petals and you can admire their rouge so carefully contoured and blended. You can pose with your hand near its stem, 
like so many others have pretended. And when it's time to go home, you're free to go. You just can't take the rose. Wilting against the glass storefront of a downtown shop, the door says, closed. And so reluctantly does the rose. People used to come from far and wide to shop and celebrate downtown's pride. But these days, the lights don't flicker and the door doesn't open. Sometimes the rose wonders if she's broken. Staring night after night at her own reflection, she's starting to see herself less as confection and more as frivolity. She used to be a novelty, a sign of passion, now gone out of fashion. She stares at the reflection of her figure in the storefront window and wonders when her thorns grew longer than her petals. She swears it wasn't always like that. She swears that just yesterday there were people that wanted her back. She wonders aloud to the tulip crowd if she had been too picky. The tulips respond without pity. Yes, Rose, the problem was you. Then they lilt and laugh as tulips so often do. She defends herself silently, thinking that there's nothing wrong with wanting to live quietly. But she wonders how living quietly became living lonely. She had wanted to be special, but she hadn't wanted to be the only. So she sighs against a window glass display, waiting for morning, for the tourists to come and play. They'll point and delight at the beauty of the rose, but for some reason she cannot fathom, they'll never take her home. She blames her age, her color, that I could have done more, never thinking to blame the boards on the door. Whoa. There she is. Right? I'm crying again. (laughs) That's beautiful. Thank you. So I teach spoken word lessons. Mm -hmm. And because I have this student who is incredible. She's wonderful. She's 16, but she acts Mm -hmm. 25 in a really good way. She has her first crush ever. She's 16, her first real crush. And she like cannot handle it. Mm -hmm. She is doing everything she can do to fall out of love. Yeah. Um, and she she bought herself self-help books. She's just, she's wonderful. She's so bright. And she, I think she knows she's so bright and she thinks like, I'm too smart to be feeling this way. Mm. Um, and she's just the best. So she's been talking about like, she just keeps telling me, she's like, Claire, like it's better not to feel. Like it's better to like close yourself oh. off. And so that's what we've been working on through poetry is kind of like, is it better to live life behind the glass um so I asked her to write about this and then she asked me to write about it so yeah Brene Brown talks a lot about that urge to not feel you're mm. not like you you can't uh, that's how she puts it she's like okay but that's not selective you know mm-hmm. you can't select what you're not feeling anymore that means you're numbing yourself to everything to mm. joy mm-hmm. to to any of that and and she talks about why that can be such an attractive feeling but it's so dangerous and Oh my gosh, I loved that so much. Yeah. That was it's the last line, right? It's like everyone can find themselves in this rose. And I think sometimes we can even find ourselves in the lilies and in the people walking by. But it's just the she blames her age, her color, that I could have done more, never thinking to blame the boards on the door. A lot of times when rejection happens and these crush moments happen, it's really hard to like see the boards. I know we talked about like rejection as God's protection. And I really do believe that nine times out of 10. I really do believe that. It's that last ounce of control that you have. Honestly, it's the little Mm -hmm. bit of control that you can say it had to have been me Mm -hmm. because you don't have that 
ownership over anything else in the situation. Yeah. And I just remember the first time I, I read that I was sitting, I think I was laying on the couch. Ellis had just gone to bed. Loki had gone to bed like an hour earlier. And I was just like pretty much bawling because I, I just, you know, a, a girl we're going to have on later, Tori um, Hope Peterson. She is a, a foster, former foster youth. Now she's a foster mom. And she talked about like hurt mm. people, hurt people, but healed people can heal people. Mm-hmm. And I just see this, like the beauty of this podcast is listening to people their stories and the hope of like the healing of those crushed moments. And it doesn't mean we're all better. It doesn't mean it's not a daily practice of forgiveness or a daily practice of like reminding ourselves where our self-worth and value comes from. But I don't know, this, this, this poem was just really healing for me. And thank you. Like, thank, thank you. For, you. And thank you for your student for being Thanks like, to hey, my student. It's you all do her. It too. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Do you want to lead into our wrap up questions then? No, I want to sit here and cry and for talk a little forever. <laughs> I know me too. Um, yeah. and this is interesting because, you know, your crushed moment happened when you were close to 12. And we always say like, you know, if you could tell what would you tell your 12 year old self? Mm-hmm. Um, if you could tell your 12 year old self anything, but again, it doesn't have to be related to the crush moment, but I just think that's mm-hmm. interesting because it was so it's, con- it's converging. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I was thinking about this all day. Um, cause I just was traveling a lot today. So I was thinking about it and I would just give myself like the biggest hug and be like, just keep doing exactly what you're doing because every single thing that happened, all of these rejections and redirections led me to exactly where I am right now. And like, I would not change one thing, you know, and I'm so grateful for, like, I had to, everything that I went through, like, I had to, because, like, it's what I create from. And without it, there I wouldn't have any of these feelings to write from. And the, the biggest blessing of my life, and especially, I tell everyone right now, like, you know, I'm not in a relationship. I'm not in love with anyone. Like, the great love of my life as of right now is poetry. Mm-hmm. And I completely owe that to all of the hurts and the rejections and, but also and, like the happy moments, the intense and typhoid and typhoid, <laughs> you know? Um, so I wouldn't change one thing. I would just be like, I think the whole time at, while everything was happening throughout my life, I kind of felt like this is building towards something, but I didn't know what it was because I didn't find out what I was passionate about until I was like 23. So I, I knew that stuff was building and I had this hunch. I was like, no, I think this is going to work out. Like, I think we're moving in the right direction, but I didn't know what I was moving towards. And I wish, wish I could go back and like whisper and be like, yeah, like it's, it's working. Like keep going. I love that yeah. you said redirections. That's a really mm-hmm. interesting. I like that a lot. Like mm-hmm. there is that something's not quite a, re- a rejection, but it can be a redirection. I really like that. Mm-hmm. I also think there's something really beautiful in what you're saying. Like it was building towards something. There's that trust there as much as we're in pain, um, you know, as like the pain builds, it can either create this like callus or it can create a wound that hopefully gets healed. And the healing can actually be more powerful than the wound. And Mm -hmm. I think what's so beautiful is it's a building to something and you weren't sure what that something was, but you Mm -hmm. had the, there's the hope, right? The hope is like, going towards something. I don't know. And, and I just love that. You know, I, I just think that's really, really like, um, provocative so much of my life. It was why me, why me, why, why, why is it always me? And now it's like, okay, God, what are you doing What's happening? Absolutely. What are we building towards? Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the one other thing that's to answer your question in a different way also is I was having this conversation with a friend yesterday because we're all supporting each other throughout 
the ever evolving, never ending journey of self-love and especially body image and self-image. And I was just having this conversation with a friend who was having a hard, a hard day the other day. Like, I just wish we could see ourselves as we are in the present. Cause we've all had this experience where like right now, if I took a picture today, I'd be like, Ugh. but if you show it to me in three years from now, I'm going to be like, she was so cute. Why wasn't she out wearing crop tops? Like she was so cute. It was the cutest she'll ever look. And I look back at these pictures, even though we're going to take it to like Teddy's dance. I look back and I just remember being so uncomfortable and thinking that I was like, my curly hair was weird. I remember thinking that I was like, just so like big and like not wearing my dress well and just feeling so self-conscious in my body. And I look back and I'm like, you cutie. And like, it's such a shame mm. that we don't see ourselves as we are in the present. It usually takes years to look back and be like, you were cute. I wish you had known it. And like the peace you could have had if you knew it. That reminds me of when Andy says it on the season finale of The Office, when he's like, I wish we could know we were in the good old days before we like went, went ahead and then realized those were the good old days. I resonate with that so much. Aaron, I don't know if you do too, but I look back on things and I'm like, why didn't I just like let that present moment, why didn't I just live in that, you know? And 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 in my beauty and in my all the things um, that made me me, especially in that moment. Yes, I'm going to grow. Yes, I'm going to change. But like, I was just so wonderful and special right then. And, you know, my therapist said something. She said, becoming a mother can be really, really healing because you get to see your inner child kind of. And it's been really healing to, to be a mother to Ellis because I was such an awkward kid and such a late bloomer and loud and annoying and told I was a reject by someone very close to me often. And um, literally that word, like you're reject or he'd say, Hey, reject. And um, yeah, it's just like, I look at Ellis and I'm like, you're so cute. And when she puts on little shows, I'm like, you're so cute. And my therapist was like, could you love your, your little, your little girl self right then? Could you let her know that you're, she's doing great. Like she did a little performance and you loved it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> no, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's something so beautiful about what you just said, because I wish we could look at those pictures or us in the mirror. You know, I love what Marcia says mugshot in the morning. Like this is the face that God loves. And I wish that, you know, we could all realize that there's boards on doors and whether they're there for our protection or they're just there and it absolutely sucks either way like there's boards on doors guys like your reflection may not actually people that might not see you but that doesn't mean you're not seen mm -hmm. yeah I love that yeah. all right our last <laughs> question it's really hard hitting okay last question <laughs> what was your crushed song what was the song that you were going through it and this was the song that just was like the anthem for that was it by I mean, celtic thunder i was i was just about to pull them up on spotify and play it i don't even know if we can we'll get in trouble but i really <laughs> i think i mean i'm sure back when all the teddy stuff was happening we're looking at like taylor swift but the the crush song of the last few years whenever things were really really hard and i was going through it and i was living in williamsburg i would walk down to the east river and i would put my headphones on and full full volume i would listen to um, new york state of mind part two it's just alicia keys do you know what i'm talking about mm -hmm. <laughs> and and I would I just stare. That. I would stare at the Manhattan skyline and be like, someday, baby. And now I live in Boston. <laughs> uh, I, I put on Alicia Keys' first album the other day when I was doing dishes. And I was like, 
Oh, so yes. good. Like she has this one song. She's like, why don't you call me anymore? And I'm like, why don't you? Why don't you call me anymore? <laughs> oh, it's so good. This was lovely and delightful and rich. And I was going to say juicy, but I, I don't. I, well, no. that's, either, that's either juicy couture on the butt or <laughs> I, don't know, I, just, I don't like it. So I'm like, I don't want that word. I feel like I got some new vocabulary for like explaining how I feel like I like, I love the term redirect. I love kind of what you said earlier about that left at the dance moment, because we've all had that moment. I've just never had a name to put to it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I've loved this. This was amazing. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you Thanks. so much. I, thank you. I, again, this, this is another thing to edit out, but I literally, I hate doing these things, but I'm always like, come on, Claire, got to put yourself out there. But I was actually so excited for this one. And it was just as much fun as I thought it would be. Thank you. You're not, yeah. I'm not editing that out. No, that you great. You guys have such an original concept, you know, and the questions you ask and the format is just so much more fun than how, how literally everyone else is doing everything. This is really good. So thank you. Keep going with it. Thank you. I really, I really appreciate that. I know Aaron does too, but this is definitely a huge labor of love. It is so much, so much time and effort. (laughs) Well, it's working. I'm excited. I don't, I don't, I, you guys are the first podcast. I actually, like I downloaded the podcast app so I could listen. I don't listen to podcasts. So I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. You're gonna make me cry. <laughs> I'm gonna go write a review right now. Well, I'm gonna wait for my episode. Day. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank. Oh, wait, really quickly. Where can we find you? Um, yeah, let us know where we can find your your book, your book, all that. Ooh, you know what? Me? You can find me on Instagram easily enough, Claire underscore McAllen. But if you're gonna find me anywhere, go to stationsbook.com and buy my book. <laughs> well, Claire, thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your holy week and just have a great life. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You too. <laughs> I'm sure we'll see each other on the gram in like 45 yeah. seconds. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye, ladies. Thank you so much. Right, thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.